0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com no Do that on your balcony. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It is Sunday, April 26, 2020. That's right. It's the 26th day of April, 2020, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot to cover this morning, and I trust that you will stay with me as we bring you words of comfort during this time of mass mourning. All of us are in some part of mourning with lost loved ones, with lost grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, friends, and even coworkers. For some of us, the workplace will change. For some of us, life may never be the same again. But we have all lost someone during this. And so this morning, we're going to bring you words of comfort that we hope these words will find you with peace. So stay with me as we bring that. A couple of things to take note of is that uh, uh, here in Detroit, uh, Reverend Horace Sheffield is offering free COVID testing free COVID-19 testing. So for anybody, excuse me, who is in Detroit, uh, please note that uh, Reverend Sheffield is is, uh, offering free uh, testing, COVID-19 testing at his facility on Grand River, the Sheffield Center on Grand River. So if you're in the Detroit area, take advantage of that. A couple of other things to note. in In the state of Michigan, the governor has reopened some businesses golfing, boating, and landscaping, right? So lawn care, so we can finally get our lawns cut. Hey, right? And she does recommend continue to recommend social distancing. And now all of us have to wear a face mask in public. That's no required action. And businesses can refuse you service if you don't. So those are things to keep in mind as we motor, literally walk through this pandemic. It's new to all of us. It's not something we have ever done before, and we frankly don't know how to do it. It's been a turbulent week here in the United States. We have gone from highs to lows and in between all week long. We have seen uncertainty that has overcome our national psyche. We seem to be dithering. One minute we're going to do this. The next minute we're not doing that. One minute we don't know where we are. And it seems to me that trouble has set its face against us. And it's during times like these that we must focus in and we must pray. It's during times like these we strive to look for words of comfort. We're all having dreams and nightmares. Our dreams are indicative of our mindset, what we are thinking. We're worried about the future. We're worried about our country. We're worried about how life will be, what life will be like after this. And it is carrying over into our consciousness. So we're sleeping. And we're not really resting, our eyes are closed, but our minds are active. And so we strive to uh, find words that will ease us and that will comfort us. For some reason, I've been stuck in the book of Matthew before this pandemic began. When it began first in February, I noticed that I was in the book of Matthew. I left Exodus and went over into the book of Matthew, chapter six, and I haven't been there For some time now, and that's where we're going to take our scriptures from. And on a personal note, I just want to uh, say some words of comfort to some friends and family of uh, Pastor Gary Green, one of our local pastors here in the Detroit area, who made his transition suddenly uh, last night. It was suddenly seemed to have suffered a massive heart attack and is, is gone. And to the family and to the friends. I say God bless you and I pray God's comfort will be with you during the season of mourning. And I, and I just want to say that for all of us, we're all going through some mourning. Even if you have not lost someone during this, even if you don't know anyone personally who has passed away, the fact is that you have seen it and trouble has come to most of us. We have lost jobs. We are, and as a matter of fact, this coming week for most of us, will be show and tell, literally. This is going to be the showdown of a lifetime because more jobs are going to evaporate. People are going to be served notices. People are know now that I haven't paid my rent in a month and a half. I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty. And it is during these times that we must hold on to our faith. We must hold on to what we believe. We must have some belief system. So I encourage you at night to join me in prayer at 10.30 p.m. at night. Join me as we pray. I'm going to start sending out bulletins on Facebook and Twitter that I'm about to go to pray. Turn the TV off. Put Netflix and Hulu on pause for just a few minutes. And we're going to pray. We're going to learn how to pray. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe it's time for us to pray. It's also the season of remnant. Now, just think about that. We went through Passover, the three major religions. We're all on the same page, if you notice. We somehow find ourselves on the same page. All the constellations have lined up, and now we find ourselves on the same page. The three major religions are experiencing the same wealth of faith, the same target and culmination of beliefs at the same time. Have we noticed that it was Passover, it was Easter, and now it's Ramadan. Passover, Easter, and now Ramadan. Basically, we're saying the same thing. We're confessing a belief in God, a belief in a higher power, a belief that somebody somewhere must be over this earth who can help us and deliver us and who can send comfort to us during this time. It is Ramadan, and Mecca is empty just saw a picture posted this morning in Saudi Arabia. Nobody is making their journey to Mecca. No one is. Borders are closed. Uh, border crossings are, are, are half closed. Nobody is making that journey. People can't gather as they traditionally do during Ramadan. Typically, people gather at the end of the day to eat from one house to the next and celebrate. They're still fasting one meal per day. But nobody is. It tells us that if men ought to pray, now is the time. And we want to bring these words of comfort to those of us this morning who perhaps haven't lost anybody yet. We're still in national mourning because we see there's no cooperation. There's no cohesion and there's no unity. It seems like the union, the United States, is, 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 is not It seems like one set of people believe one thing. One set of people are executing one thing. Our leader said reopen. He wants the place to reopen by May 1st. People went and acted on it. Then he said, no, I didn't say that. It was too soon. The state of Georgia, we're all watching aghast as the governor of the state of Georgia ordered businesses to reopen. And we're all sitting back as if we're just expecting trouble. Like, seriously, people cannot go back to work. Even here in Michigan, I was aghast when the governor said, yeah, you can go back to voting and playing golf as long as you maintain six feet. And, and I'm like, that's political pressure. She was placed on In Florida, they, the previous governor had dismantled the unemployment system. So a lot of people can't even get the benefits that the government has ordered for people to get. So they can stay afloat And I just want to comfort all of you All of you who left Northern states And went to the south Thinking the weather was better And now you are in a better place Now you realize what your ancestors That your ancestors were right That they fled from the south For a reason And the reasons why they fled Are the same reasons you're encountering right now And you're like what have I done Many people have taken jobs And have found themselves displaced. And now what? They left their support system, took up a job somewhere else, and now there is no certainty. What are they going to do? People are fretting and worried. And as you should, you have every right to be. Because everything is up in arms. Nothing is the same that it was. And you might be saying, but I thought I knew. It seemed like it was the right decision to make. It seems like I was guided by facts. It seemed like everything seemed okay. All I can say right now is bring you words of comfort. Some of us are mourning death and loss of loved ones. But some of us are also mourning the end of a lifetime. What if your spouse died? That's the end of a life as you knew it. If it were your spouse. We've all seen the story this week of a woman whose 32-year-old husband died. And he left a note telling her where the insurance information is and left a note in his phone to tell her where everything was and that he had had the most amazing life. Life as she knew it is over. That part of her life is over. But I have encouraging news for you. October is coming. It's a season of transition. The fall is coming. And we're going to pray as we go in that we encounter and just achieve for this week. The scriptures I'm going to bring you will bring you words of comfort this morning. And I would like us to tarry, therefore, on these words. Think on these words. Meditate on these words all week long as it brings us comfort. Whatever betides us, whatever we see on the news that is shaky, there is a lot of uncertainty in the world at this time. Just this past week, we thought we heard that the North Korean leader was, uh, was incapacitated and fragile and in a very fragile position. That is uncertainty because sometimes with dictatorships, the person who takes over is worse than the person before. And so now we're looking at that as if what does that mean? Will someone get icky fingers and go press a button just because they want to make a statement? These are things to think about. We have to ask ourselves, why is Russia so silent? There's a global pandemic on, and Russia, who seems to have been very interested in American politics for the last four years, who seems to have a lot to say, all of a sudden, Russia is very quiet. Right? Hard for them to be worse, right? Isn't it amazing? All of a sudden, Russia is quiet. There's a lot that is going on, a lot that is going on. Imagine for Muslims, you can't get to Mecca. It was the same consideration we Christians had. We could not go to church on Easter Sunday for the first time since World War II. Could not make our annual pilgrimage to the Vatican to hear the Pope give his Easter Mass. Unheard of. And yet, here we are. So I just want to bring your attention this morning to uh, Matthew chapter 6 and I'm going to read these words to you and I trust that you will find them in, in comfort as they are meant to comfort all of us. Uh, I'm reading from the New King James Version and it's Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 to 34. I'm going to read it for you so that you don't, you probably don't have your Bible. Your Bible app is on your phone. Come on, we can download the Bible app on our phones. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and it says, listen, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? That's literally translated 18 inches to your height. So while we are worrying, can we change our heights? No. While we worry, does it put food on the table? While we worry, does it pay the rent or the mortgage? While we are worrying, does it save our jobs? No, it doesn't. So why worry? If worrying does not increase us, if worrying only takes away from us by making our immune system more susceptible to disease, why should we worry? That's exactly the point, isn't it? That is exactly the point. We should not worry. And I know this admonishment to not worry pales in comparison to the bills that are piled on the table. Just yesterday, I read a report that credit card companies are just like us. They're dependent on us paying the monthly bill to stay alive, and nobody is paying that. In fact, shares of Discover have dropped, are literally shelled in half, because the first, what is the first thing people don't pay during hard times? Their credit card bills, because they think that's something I don't have to do. So why worry? about stuff that we literally have no control of. We are not in control. The pandemic, the virus has proven that we are not in control. None of us, not the government, nobody is in control of this virus. We tried social distancing, and as long as we stayed away, yes. But how long can we stay away for? How much longer before industry has to resume? Our economy ground to a halt. Maybe we could stay away for 30 days. It's been 45 days. How much longer can we stay away for? Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to ask ourselves, then now what? Don't worry, because worrying is not going to change any of those factors. Worrying is not going to stop the pandemic. It's not going to stop the virus. It's not going to stop the foreclosures. It doesn't matter. The Bible says very clearly, You need worrying. is not going to change your shelter. It is not going to change anything. So why worry about it? And I have proven that. Why worry about it? All it does is give you a massive headache. All it does is increase your blood pressure. All it does is make you more susceptible to blood sugar levels. All it does is give you a heart attack. Listen to this. In verse number 28, it says, so why do you worry about clothing? And it gives an example. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but they grow. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, referencing King Solomon in the Old Testament, in all his glory was not dressed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you you of little faith, I think what we do sometimes is we look at what others have and we tell ourselves that I want that. We, We judge ourselves by standards that we and society have imposed on us. We like living in big houses. We like living in nice surroundings. We like having a lot of clothes. Can I just help you out a little bit? I have proven that sometimes shelter is shelter. I have proven that it's better to have shelter than not at all. If you don't believe me, just look at homeless folks. Homeless folks will go into a building that has shelter even if it doesn't have heat, even if it doesn't have running water, because it is shelter from the wind, the sun, and the rain. Sometimes we impose too much on ourselves. We overwork ourselves. We spend so much time working to provide for our families, or at least that's what we tell ourselves, that we don't even realize we're in competition with others. And so we don't spend as much time with our families, much to our detriment. And at the end of it all, that same employer whom you work so hard for, when the time comes, they send you an email to say you are furloughed, effective immediately. They don't give you two months, they don't give you three months, or is it up for your consideration? But they tell you, you are furloughed immediately. Now what? You're stuck with this huge mortgage. You were living in a smaller house before. You quarrel as much. You didn't argue as much. Now you're quarreling nonstop. Because now, the question is, can we maintain this? Now your kids are caught up in the lifestyle. And they're like, I'm not going to live there. I don't know what family will think of me. They're more concerned about appearances than they are about what is real. Yet, The Bible is telling us, don't worry, be comforted by these words. In other words, we have to take stock. I I mean, I can tell you stories about myself. I I used to live in big houses and I was never happy, but I had big houses. I used to live in big houses in nice uh, communities and gated communities and all kinds of stuff with swimming pools and tennis courts. I can give you addresses. You can go look them up on Google Maps and find them right, of my former residences. I kid you not. I was never happy. So what was that? It was shelter. It was a bigger shelter, but I was never happy. Do you see what I'm saying? Why worry? And when the time came for me to leave those residences, I gave it not a thought. I was more worried about having peace and joy because having lived in them, I proved that you didn't need all that to be happy. You didn't need all that to have peace. I didn't need all of that to be sheltered. I just needed shelter. So why worry about it? I have learned now not to worry about it. And this is why I can encourage you to not worry. Be comforted by these words, because many of us are going to face decisions in the coming days and weeks that is going to impact our lives. And we're going to worry about stuff. Many of you are going to have to change where you live. There are a lot of people who live in apartment towers. In New York City, for instance, and who are going to have to change the way you live. You can't continue to live. You live there for convenience because you said that's where all your friends lived, all the people whom you associate with at work. And you lived there as a matter of convenience. The rent was stupendous. It was 6,000 dollars a month. And you're thinking now, if you had bought that house that is 25 miles out, you could commute using the train. The kids would have been in a great school district. You wouldn't be paying $6,000 a month. You would be paying 1500 or even $2,000 a month for mortgage. You'd be way better off than living in a tower with so many other people, one on top of the other. And now you have to worry about a virus that has hit your husband or your spouse or your children. And now you may not have the job that you coveted. You may not have that job. So how are you going to qualify for a mortgage? These are the times that we live in. These are the considerations that we have to make. And so the Bible says in verse number 30 of Matthew chapter 6, it says, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is not, and tomorrow is not thrown in the oven, how will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. We've got to go back to basics. We've got to go back and signed our faith. We have forgotten our faith. We have let our faith marinate on the back burner. We don't need faith as long as we're getting the checks. As long as we're getting the big checks and we have the lifestyle. where every Friday night, we go eat out so-and-so, Saturday night is date night, we go out on profiles so our friends and associates and family can see us living the good life. As long as we're buying the cars, wearing the clothes, wearing all the designer labels on our chests, on our arms. I mean, my daughter was telling me some ridiculous price for some sneakers that what's his name sells. Uh, what's his name? Kanye sells. I said, why would I pay five, seven hundred dollars for a pair of sneakers? Are you kidding me? People just want to see and be seen. And instead of taking that money and putting it aside for something, you take it and put it in something that probably doesn't have a life lifespan. But this is what our world is. It's concentrated in the now. We don't think about what's going to happen later. We don't think about where we're going to be in a few. No, but we didn't think about that. There are many people who died in the last month and the last six weeks who never gave a thought to the future. It never occurred to most people that they wouldn't be here today. It never occurred to most people that something could have changed their life. Most people didn't even have life insurance. Ah, I'm too young for that. 30-year-olds. Even 40-year-olds never thought of buying life insurance. I'm too young for that. Never thought of sharing their passwords with friends, even if they're not married. Never thought of sharing their passwords with a trusted family member so folks could have access to their account if something were to happen. Never. People never thought that they would have to change the way they live. We never gave it a thought. Our world was so fast and spinning out of control. Now that we can look back, we realize that we were out of control. We had shifted so far in the name of progress from where we began. We shifted so far that we forgot even the people who had brought us here. We forgot about our parents and our grandparents. We abandoned them in nursing homes. A generation ago, they would have never thought of abandoning their parents. But we abandoned them in nursing homes because life is too fast. I got to live in the now. You ever seen some people, I got to go, I got to go. People couldn't tarry, even in relationships. And we all know relationships require work, no matter what kind of relationship. The relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your partner, the relationship with your children, the relationship with the people you work with. All relationships require work, but we are so It almost seemed like we were egotistic and arrogant in a lot of ways because all we cared about was ourselves, our own gratification. Now we're looking back and seeing how self-centered we were. Hopefully, we see it as an opportunity to make amends. Hopefully, we see it as an opportunity to move forward. I know that these are not the words that most people want to hear. I know there are some of us who are preachers today who are going to preach you and make you feel good. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to give you sustenance, sustaining words that can carry you through this, words that you can take with you. They're going to say, clap your hands three times and give you something that makes you feel familiar and you feel, okay, happy in the moment. But then tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, what are you going to do? Tomorrow, when it comes, what are you What are you going to do the next text message that you get? That someone you know and love has passed on, not because it's wartime, not because they did something, but because of this virus. What are you going to do when the next update we get on the news says, you know what, everybody has to go line up and take a vaccine and we don't know if it has bleach in it or if it has Lysol in it. Come on, I'm just saying. Now we can't trust them, even if they come out with a vaccine. Now none of us, I know, I'm not going to go take it because I don't know if it doesn't have bleach in it. I don't know if it doesn't have life soul in it because now we're like, what on earth is going on? The Bible says, "Do not worry." These are our words of comfort. Let me let me let me read the rest of it for you now. So in verse twenty nine it says, "So why do you worry about clothing? Seriously, consider the lilies of the field." how they grow and toil or spin. Yet I say to you that Solomon was not dressed like that even in all his glory. Now look at verse 30. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Verse 31, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? We're living in a time when I myself find myself questioning that. Not when I see news reports about meatpacking plants closing because people are sick who work in them. Who wouldn't worry about that? Just last night I called my sister and I said, "Uh, we all need to head to the grocery store and buy more meat and make sure because we don't know how long it's going to take before people are restored to work in meatpacking plants. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't worry about it. Just in the nick of time. Just when you think it's all over, God has a way of coming through, but you've got to know where you stand. Even if in the midst of it, while we're all going through it right now, we're all in this together. Even in the midst of it, the temptation is to sit back and worry about it. I am saying, don't worry. Be comforted by these words. Don't worry about what we should wear. For after all these things do people seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Here is the answer. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. It's a good thing I knew the Bible. and knew these words. In November 2016, election day, the night before election day, stole all my clothes in November in Michigan in a Midwestern winter. My own sister, my mother's daughter, she's not an adopted sister or something like that. My own sister stole all of my clothes. And as I stood there with all of the clothes that were left on my back, it must have taken her. I was away from home, so it must have taken her all day to clear my closet out because I have a walk-in closet. So you can imagine for her to take all my purses, and it must have taken her all day to literally go through and take the, remove them from the hangers, she was kind enough to leave the hangers as a reminder to me what she took. Are you hearing me? Just yesterday, my daughter bought me a purse to replace one of the purses they took. She bought me a Dooney and Burke purse. My two daughters got together to replace one of the purses she took. I kid you not. And I literally found myself standing there. You know what? I remember this scripture. Do not worry about what you should wear. And I'm like, seriously? I don't have any clothes to wear. What am I going to do? I learned to take it by faith. and walk it out one by one at a time. Uh, Somebody's saying you also need wisdom. Yes. We didn't say you didn't need wisdom. We're saying don't worry because worrying does not change the situation. And our default action is to worry. That's how we are as human beings. Something happens, we start worrying about it. We think about it. Till you get get an aneurysm in your brain, don't worry about it. Because one way or another, it's going to work the way that it should. We need words of comfort. We're not accustomed to hearing words of comfort. This is where faith comes in, and we're not accustomed to it. So we want something tangible. But your faith can become tangible if you practice it. You believe so hard that it is going to work out for your good after a while. That's all you know. But if we haven't used it in a while, then it's hard for us to reconcile with it. Right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And you might be asking, what is his righteousness? Well, believe. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm practicing that right now. I am like you. I'm one of those persons who lay up at night thinking, what if scenarios? What if? And I have to learn to school myself and govern myself. and say there comes a time when I can't fix what I'm worrying about, so I'm going to have to trust God to show me the way. There are answers to some of the things that bother us. Immediately as you're laid out, the first thing you think about is, how am I going to pay my bills? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, there are resources in your community that you can tap into. Whether you don't want anybody to know if you're going to have to change your hairstyle, put on a baseball cap, put on a you know, do some maneuvering or borrow a neighbor's car or something so they won't recognize you. Whatever you're going to have to do, that's one thing to do. Go get some food lined up at the food bank in our area in Detroit. There, uh, Reverend Sheffield and his group uh, are distributing food every day, daily, Monday through Saturday, except Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. If that is something you need to participate in, there are other places in your community right across the country that is doing that. If 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 shelter is what you need, go online if you have a phone in your hand, pull down your Google search and look put in your zip code and you can find resources. It's a quite it's a season of adjustment. It's a season that we're not that is not going to make us comfortable. The comforts that we are usually concerned with going home, turning your own key, going to work the next day, getting your own paycheck so you can do It might have changed on us overnight. Well, here's the thing. In the same way that it changed quickly overnight, it can also change quickly overnight into our favor. We just need to walk through this one. That's all I'm saying. Walk through this one. And everything that happens in the next seven days, in the coming days ahead, whatever happens, remember these words, Matthew chapter 6. And verse 25 to 34, it outlines in detail what we shouldn't worry about. Just go back and read it. Pick it up on your phone. Bookmark it so you can go back and read it. You might be standing in the unemployment line. Read it. You might be standing six feet apart in the grocery store. Read it. You got an email that made the pit of your stomach drop. Read it. You got a text message. I swear to you now, all of us are literally on tenterhooks when the phone rings. You're like, what now? All of us, you get a text message and you're like, oh, breaking news alerts. They better stop using that term because now we're all so traumatized from breaking news. I kid you not. I kid you not. And so now, bookmark Matthew chapter six and everything you need to comfort you, you will take you through this time. I don't know what the coming days. And week holds, weeks hold. I just know that if I'm admonished to comfort and to be comforted by these eternal words, then that means it's some stuff coming down the pike. All I know is I, as for me and my house, we're going to stand on the word of God. Yes, while we practice wisdom. Yes, while we go to the grocery store and amass as much as we can buy, that we can store. Yes, while we are yet doing still Still, still be comforted. While we're getting text messages, just last night when I got the phone call, I saw it on Facebook that someone I associated with had passed away suddenly from a heart attack. I didn't believe it either. I had to reach out to one of the family members. And you know what were my first words? Please tell me this is not true. That has to be some foolishness that I'm seeing. And he said, no, I'm sorry. It is true broke me into pieces. Such a gentle giant. Such a decent man. A nice man. A good family man. To all of us, as an example to all of us, these are the times that we live in. These are times that simply take our breath away with the vastness of the things that can happen to us. Maybe it's not for you. I know most of you on Facebook are probably... You have such a plethora of messages to choose from. You go to the people whom you're most familiar with, the people who are going to say the words that instantly bring instant gratification. But then tomorrow and Tuesday, it doesn't hold any water. And you still are left wondering, tell them about Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Tell them these are the words to meditate on. It's a very difficult time, my friend. It's not comforting for me either. I have family too. I have family on the front lines that I'm praying for daily. I have family members whose health, I must admit, is a little compromised and I am praying for them. I have family members too who are working and who are worried about the future. My youngest daughter is due to start college in in a few months. What's gonna happen? I don't know. She has asked me that. She asked me, Mom, please tell me, why did this happen to us, to my generation? Why did we not get to graduate from prom? Why is our freshman orientation going to college is going to be virtual? And I had to say, because your generation is the one that is going to have to find a cure for these ills so this won't happen in your lifetime." And she's like, I don't care about that. I said, I know, but you are going to grow up one day to become like the rest of us. And that's what is the burden for your generation. This is the generation. The generation of kids graduating high school this year, they were born after 9-11. You realize that? You realize that, right? These are the 9-11 babies. These are the ones graduating high school this year. And they were born out of trouble. And they graduate in trouble. We got to pray for them so that the next four years don't bring turbulence. If we really were to think about it, we recognize now that things are not going to go back to normal, normal. It's not going to be normal, normal. The kind of normalcy we crave is natural. It's the kind of normalcy that comes from having gone through a traumatic experience. Let us admit that this pandemic has been nationally traumatizing. It's been trauma. We are going to have PTSD after this. The kind of normal that we are looking forward to may not be that kind of normal. Yet, the scriptures are here to encourage us to be not afraid, do not worry, stand fast, therefore, and to be comforted despite what we might be seeing and hearing. There are some troubling days ahead about it. There are some days ahead in which we are going to see some things happening across our TV screen that will probably make our hair curl. If you thought you saw anything on Thursday, if you heard anything on Thursday about ingesting bleach and Lysol that made you say, no, I didn't hear that and dismiss it because it couldn't be true. Wait for this week and the days to come. But be comforted. Don't worry about it. Let us all not worry about it. Yes, they're planning, but we should have our individual plans. Yes, use wisdom. Somebody's saying use wisdom. You never stop using wisdom. The wisdom now is directing us to use the word, to be comforted, because there are some things that happen that we have no control over. Like that woman who lost her husband. She was 32 years old. He was 32. They have children. Can you imagine? Life will never be the same. It's not going to be the same. It's going to take some time for them to walk through that. I was thinking last night as I fell asleep about the parents of that young child who died. Skylar, she was five years old. Her father is a Detroit firefighter and her mother is a Detroit police officer. And can you imagine how they feel that despite all the firepower they have, despite all the resources they had access to, They could not stop this disease from taking over their five-year-old child's body. She's gone. Can't come back. The grief and the torment and the pain can't come back. Those Those two people, those parents have to stand there holding one another. I encourage us to be comforted for everybody who has lost somebody, whether it was a parent a co-worker, a national figure, or whether it was someone locally involved in politics in your area or someone well-known to your community. Be not afraid. Just a few days ago, my daughter told me that her high school math teacher passed. And I had to say, seriously? Because I remember, I said, was that someone I might have interacted with? And she said, yeah, when I was about to graduate high school, she did call you and I you did have to go down there. I kid you not. Every day, it's someone else it's someone else Will hit on us I dare say after this We're going to need group therapy Yeah And we're going to need so much group therapy That we're going to have to Guess what Even the therapists are going to have to need therapy But I encourage you my friends To be comforted Matthew six twenty-five to 34 What a time we live in What a time. Some of us are taking advantage of these opportunities that present themselves. But I encourage us to focus not just on the economic advantages that you might have, but plan moving forward. Perhaps it's a good idea to have a country house. Yeah, buy a little cabin somewhere. Might not be a bad idea. So you can get away from the city in times like these. Might not be a bad idea. Uh, that land that family, your family owns down in Alabama, Georgia, Texas, somewhere, might be a good idea to go back and take over that land. Start building something on it. Put something on it. Might be a good idea, too, to find a way to pay off the mortgage when this is all over. Because now you are sure, I don't want ever to be in a position where I have to question that. Might be a good idea for some of us to start looking at working for ourselves because what happens? when the unemployment is going to run out. And businesses say, I don't have the resources to bring you back because people, as you can tell now, people were reluctant to go back out. They're still going to be even more reluctant. They're still going to say, I don't feel safe going back out. I think everyone should be tested. And if everyone isn't tested, I want you to prove that the workplace is safe because the virus, it's going to be something else. These are questions of our times, and we're going to have, there are no straight answers. There's no good answers. There's no straightforward answers. We're just going to have to walk through it together. That's something that I think we're all missing. We're not accustomed to being cohesive and unified, but we're going to have to walk through it together, and especially for those of us in the Black community. This virus has hit home to a lot of us, and we are asking ourselves, why us? Because of ancient situations, racial and economic disparities that have been embedded in the system, those are the ideas that we must focus on to change. We've got to change that. You can't continue like that. You can't continue to ostracize and victimize a whole group of people for centuries. We've got to stop that right now. That has to stop so this never happens again. I encourage all of us to be comforted by these. I encourage us, walk through it day by day, minute by minute. Don't make a five-year plan yet. Right now, it's not the time. We can't do that right yet. It's too much to think about. We can't even make a six-month plan, y'all. We can't go on vacation. Vacation plans are scrapped. We see that now. I don't even know if I want to drive to Kentucky right now. Kentucky. I know I'm not going to Atlanta. It's gonna take us some time. Be patient with ourselves. Don't sit there a lot, question your decisions, use some wisdom. If you if you find yourself in a place where you say I didn't do that the right way, okay, make some changes if you can. If you find yourself missing someone, reach out, talk to someone, send them a don't just send them a text, pick up the phone and call. Say, hey, I've been thinking about you. FaceTime someone, talk to them, right? And be guided. My name is Harry Kimmich. This has been down to earth. It's been a Sunday morning in which I find myself. I myself, I'm in need of comfort. I myself, find myself in need of comfort. I have to uphold myself daily and uplift myself daily. I too have to find something to encourage myself. If somebody were to ask me, how do I cope? I make plans. I sit down and plan what I'm going to do in the next month, the next two months, that I know is going to build a foundation for the future. That's what I do. I hope that this will help you as we struggle through this together. We're all in this together. But there's one thing I'm going to ask all of us to do, and that is every night at 10.30 p.m., we're all going to pray. Every night at 10.30. I want us all to get together and pray. Thank you so much for listening to me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your contribution. Thanks so much for giving me the benefit of having your ear today. And I hope these words have found a place in your heart. And I leave you with these words of comfort that we can all join together and our hearts are knitted together. Thanks so much, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Be blessed. Happy Sunday. No, we're all going to watch something right now. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)